Hello, everybody, and welcome back to What the Ruck, the Edge of the Crowd's dedicated Aussie Rules podcast, where we discuss and dissect the latest in the Aussie Rules world. My name is Rebecca, and I am joined by Ellie tonight. Danny, unfortunately, isn't with us, but she says hello. Um, Ellie, how are we doing? I'm doing great. Great to be back. Um, yeah, it was such a good weekend of men's and obviously AFLW, but we'll discuss AFLW in another episode. We sure will. Um, and yeah, here's, here's a very interesting question. Now, obviously, there was a very, very big milestone that was reached um, on Friday night. So where did you watch Buddies 1000th from? I feel like that's going to be a very, um, like a very unique question that's going to be asked of AFL fans for a very long time. So tell us, where were you watching Buddies 1000th? I was watching it on my phone in bed in an Airbnb in Brisbane. (laughs) Um, so I spent the weekend in Bris Vegas um, and yeah, so I watched about first half, I think it was, or the first quarter, um, obviously with my family um, in the Airbnb and then I was just cooked. So I went to bed, but thank goodness for our Slack chat when um, I think it was... Um, one of the other edge of the crowd brothers who was at the ground said um obviously there's one more, there's one goal to go so I quickly pulled it up on KO and when he took the mark itself I um crapped in my pants because like the KO like froze and I'm like please no please no please no but it um reset and I got to see it um which was quite awesome but there has been quite a few um interesting stories coming out of that night and I'm just sure we'll discuss it later on but where were you Beth? Um, I do swim teaching on a Friday night. So I finish at seven o'clock at night and I pulled out of the car park, was driving along the road and I had the Triple M or ABC Grandstand. I'm not sure what it was, but I had it on the radio and then I heard Buddy had taken the mark and he had one more to go. And I was like, right, I need to pull over. I need to watch this. Thankfully, I was near a shopping centre. So I pulled into the shopping centre car park turned my phone on, logged on to KO and I saw it just in the nick of time and I sat in that car park for like five minutes just watching everything unfold, looked at the time and I was like, right, mum's expecting me to be home soon. My dinner's probably getting cold. As much as I'd like to keep watching and seeing this special moment unfold, um, I need to get home. But what matters is I pulled over in the nick of time just to see the special moment. So, Yeah. Um, But as we've mentioned before, there was an edge of the crowd rider that was actually there. Um, Well, he wasn't on the edge of the crowd. He was in the thick of the crowd because he actually got very, very close to Buddy. Um, That that writer is Dan Koppel. So hello, Dan. He also does edit this podcast too. Um, So yeah, he did a recount of it on our website. So we will include the link to his article in the description of the podcast. So you guys can go check it out for yourself and hear his thoughts and how the night unfolded. So yeah. Um, So that was a pretty big hanger for this round. Um, It's something we would all agree on and I think it would be unfair if any one of us chose it for our um, individual hanger so we're gonna do our clangers and hangers now um, because everyone loves a hanger but no one likes a clanger 
Um, yeah, Ellie, kick us off. What are we going for this week? Um, let's get, as always, let's get the bad news out the way first. And um, obviously it's been a tough week and um, or a tough, tough few months for um, Richmond's Dustin Martin, obviously the passing of his um, father, I believe it was pre just before Christmas. Um, so yeah, I can't imagine how tough it was, but it's just the media, the coverage surrounding that. Um, obviously he's taken indefinite leave um, for his well-being, well-being, and we we um at the on what the ruck wish him all the best um while he takes his time off. But just the coverage around it's been quite disgusting. The way that they've sort of speculated is he coming back um and like dissected sort of everything that his coach Damien Hardwick has said um and I believe I didn't catch it tonight but Jack Rewalt said something along the lines of he's afraid of there'll be like a paparazzi storm type thing out the front of his house or he'll get it's just going to turn into some sort of um some sort of media frenzy so we obviously don't want that and we want the best players back so hopefully he can um take the time that he needs to get um get back fit and firing but um yeah whatever he chooses to do um yeah we'll we'll respect that but um yeah just um to all the media listening and I'm um just yeah give it a rest and give him um time to sort of reflect and look after himself um but let's get on to bigger and brighter news um Thursday night while it wasn't um such a great night for the Western Bulldogs. They did kick it off um, with a bang, obviously, with Lily Faye, um, a young Bulldog supporter, running out with um, her favourite player, Marcus Bontempelli. Um, I'm sure many have seen the footage. Um, that I think it was the Bulldogs and I think even the AFL socials posted it. So Lily had a difficult start to her life receiving open heart surgery at five weeks old. Um spending more than 100 days at Monash Medical Centre and she was able to overcome the hurdle before but being diagnosed with um, cerebral palsy. So um, she had one dream and that was to run out with her favourite, with the Western Bulldogs and alongside her favourite player in Marcus Bontempelli. And um, yeah, she was, she's eight years old now and she's unfortunately unable to walk on her own, but um yeah, she was able to walk out, um, run out with the Bulldogs ahead of their clash against Carlton. Um, and, yeah, it just sort of brings perspective on things, I guess, and um, how football is more than just a game. So, yeah, touching moment for Lily and the Western Bulldogs on Thursday night. What about you, Beck? Just before we get on to mine, like, I love seeing football clubs get around, you know, the kids that are fans of them and, you know, their favourite players and stuff like that, just really getting around them and showing them support. And I'm sure it puts a massive smile on their face and um, because living with those sorts of conditions and illnesses and stuff like that isn't easy. So anything to make them happy, like you just love to see it because it's so heartwarming. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to do my hanger first. Um, so... 
Second week in a row, I've talked about West Coast. Um, I promise I won't do it next week. Um, but I just want to give a massive shout out to the Eagles and how they handled um, the game against North Melbourne on the weekend. Yes, it was a loss, but I feel that they had every chance to win it. Um, it was just a little bit of inaccuracy in the final quarter um, from Liam Ryan and Jack Darling that maybe cost them that win. Um but, yeah, it was every bit commendable how they went out on the field. I mean, Aaron Black was on AFL debut and he did not look out of place. He's been a very, very strong player for the Waffle for quite a long time. And then, of course, we had the likes of um, Angus Dwar and Declan Mountford, who kicked a stunning goal in the final few minutes. Um, Braden Ainsworth made his way back into the West Coast Eagles side after being delisted last year. And then Stephen Gyro made the jump from Fremantle to play for West Coast as a COVID contingency player. Um, in addition to that, Jack Williams and Callum Jamison also made their AFL debut. And I mean, they did well enough given the circumstances. They were really thrown out of position. I know Callum Jamison had the really tough task of playing against Nick Larkey, who kicked six. And Jamison is usually a ruck forward, so he was very out of depth. Um, but he did his best, and that's all you can ask. And, of course, there were senior players that really stood up. Willie Rioli was fantastic, kicked four goals. Tim Kelly was really strong in the first half, I thought. Um, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy McGovern of old, like, seemed to reemerge. He was taking those classic intercept marks. And Patrick Nash really looks like he could be pushing into our best 22 um, after being signed on as a, in the supplementary period. So huge shout out to West Coast because it wouldn't have been easy if you look at the calibre of players that were missing, whether it be injury or COVID-19 protocols. So props to them. Yeah, and they could have easily just put the um, cue in the rack and said, um, Oh, we'll just let this happen and what happens happens. But the, to their credit, um, it was, I think, 15 points was the margin, which is um, extremely commendable since it looked, since at one point it looked like they only had um, Jack Darling playing. Um, so according to media reports. But, um, yeah, so full credit to West Coast because, um, yeah, if that happened in um, my footy team I don't think I'd have the um same resilience and mentality that they did to um only come away with a 15 point loss no I don't think I would have either <laughs> it's just so like you already feel like you're going on the back foot but they really took it and embraced it and it definitely helped that they had Luke Shuey um who was their captain return and I really liked the way how he fronted the media post-match um, despite losing, which isn't something you normally see from the losing side. Anyway, I need to stop gushing about West Coast um, because we're going to be talking about them later on in the episode. Um, but, yeah, so moving on to my clangor, um, it's been discussed a little bit this week, but um, having debutants as medical subs now, this is something I personally disagree with because if they don't get out on the field, it's still counted as their first official game, even though they may not have played. And we've seen this happen three times already this season with um, Tex Wanganin um, playing for Essendon, Nathan O'Driscoll for Fremantle, although Nathan O'Driscoll is a little bit of a different story, and Nursia Wanganin Malira for St Kilda in round one. So it's frustrating because I'm sure all their friends and families um, have made an effort to go out of their way and, you know, go watch them play their first game, but they're sitting in the crowd and their friend or their son or their nephew or their brother or sister, like, doesn't get any game time. So it's really unfortunate for them, but also for the families. 
In addition to that, like to not get game time after finally being rewarded with a game, working hard, proving yourself in the off season. Um, it just, it must be a little frustrating because you, you debut, but you don't get to show what you're made of. You don't get to show what makes you special because debut games, like you usually see some really cool stuff from the debutants. Um, so yeah, it, it just sucks for them. I mean, I mentioned Nathan O'Driscoll was a bit of a situation. He did end up playing and he did kick a goal after Sean Darcy went down injured um, with an ankle problem. So his was a little bit of a different story, but you've got to feel for Texan Messiah um, because it's a really unfortunate situation for the both of them. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, that happened a few times last year as well. I think um, obviously you can't stop the... Um, tech clubs making debutantes or potential debutantes their um, medical sums, but I guess you can not allow it to count as a game if they don't take the field either. Yeah. But then you've got I mean, the same situation of the parents sitting in the crowd hoping that they come on and they don't. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting one to see if um, see what happens in the future. Yeah, well, I think that's just the easiest way to deal with it, not count yeah. it as an official game. If you're a medical sub, you're a medical sub. If you play, yay, it's your first official game. If you don't, bad luck. There's always next time, though. This one doesn't count. Yeah. Um, yeah, so moving on, um, we touched on this at the beginning of the podcast, but Buddy Franklin kicks a 1,000 goals. Um it's a very, very momentous occasion. He is the sixth player, I believe, to do so. Um, and a lot of people are speculating that this may be the last time. So, Ellie, what do we think about that? Yeah, I think it's a new era of um, footy. Obviously, I didn't grow up with the likes of um, Jason Dunstall and um, the, the likes of them I'm running around and kicking bags every week. Um, but... Yeah, from, I guess, the things I've seen, um, those classic Fox Woody games that they've watched in the off-season, um, it's a different style of um, football. It's a lot faster now. And um, one of the days where you can just sit at full forward and kick 10 goals um, or something along the lines of that, although we did see a 10-goal haul last year. Um, but, yeah, I think it may be the last one because respect... Yeah, Harry Mackay, obviously the common medal, Coleman medalist from last year kicked around. It was between 56 and 58 goals. The exact number escapes me at this point in time. But, um, yeah, I believe to make 1,000 goals, you need to kick around 60, 65 goals a season. Um, and that's a minimum. So I don't think – I think we're gone to the days of seeing players kicking um, – that amount in a season so unfortunately yeah I do think um Buddy's the last one so it was even more special to um you know, see him kick his thousandth yeah I think as well last year I mean we saw this especially with some teams like the Western Bulldogs even the West Coast Eagles um and I know Brisbane tried to do this as well but the three um, key forward so it means that they're sharing out the responsibility of the key forward a lot more which means that there's not just the one player that they go to every single time um, also like you you look at the current players you've got Jack Rewalt who's currently on 716 
you've got Josh Kennedy, who's on 688, and you've got Tom Hawkins, who's on 670 now. These guys aren't getting any younger, and I don't think they'll be playing um, for many more seasons. That will see them to 1,000. So, yeah, I think there's a very high chance that Buddy will be the final one to do so because... Yeah, the Fords that are kicking all the bags, they're getting old with game trends as well. Yeah, it's just not something I see being a possibility, although in saying that, it would still be very nice to see. Yeah, we're happy, we're happy to be proven wrong on this one. Yes. Um, so another question, will Buddy extend his contract for another year? Do we think he has anything else to prove? No, he doesn't. But in saying that, I think he wants that um, premiership with the Swans. Um, obviously, he won one at Hawthorne, came close um, against Hawthorne. Yeah, so he came close. But I think um, the Swans, from what we've seen in the first two games um, and bits of last season, were um, really close Um uh, in that premiership window and if I think if he believes that um, if they don't get it this year and he believes that they could get it in could get it in 2023 then yeah I do see him extending but in saying that you sort of do want to go out on a high you don't want to um, sort of be having the club say it's time to move on sort of thing so it's a yeah I think it, I think it just depends on um, Sydney's situation come the end of the year. If they um, win a premiership, then, yeah, I think he'll call, call it quits. But um, if they don't and they look quite close, then I think he'll go around again. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have anything more to add. I think that's a fair point. If he does retire, good on him. He has nothing more to prove. And, yeah, he can look back on his career and smile and say, hey, I'm in a very exclusive club. Um. Yeah, so moving on to that, um, the Western Bulldogs in Port Adelaide, they finished towards the top end of the table last year, but they've had a bit of a rocky start to the season. They're currently uh, sitting at two losses um, in 13th place for the Bulldogs and 18th at Port Adelaide. Um, are they in trouble? What are we thinking? One thing for sure, I don't think we saw this on the 2022 bingo card um, is for these two um, teams to be where they are. Um, I think the Bulldogs are still, there's definitely a lot to work on. Um, and I do think watching that game that they did, they did miss Bailey Smith a lot. I think just that ferociousness around the ball is something that the Bulldogs lacked on Thursday night. Uh, and Port Adelaide looked, um, they sort of lacked that, um, again, ferocity that they always bring, especially when they play at Adelaide Oval. I think um, more of a better word, um, um, Hawthorne really tore Port Adelaide apart, which is something we don't often see at Adelaide Oval. So um, they did miss Aaliyah earlier um, and they will, I think it's around eight weeks, I believe, that he'll be out for. So it's a good chunk of the season and they do miss that um they do miss his presence on the field and those intercept marks, which he's so good at. Um, but, yeah, so Port Adelaide obviously have Adelaide this week, so that's going to be interesting, and the Bulldogs have Sydney. So I think the Bulldogs have been 
close and there's um sort of a lot a lot of confidence to bring out of the way they fought back against Carlton it was just they couldn't kick straight um but Port Adelaide yeah it's, it's definitely an interesting story yeah I mean you also have to look at the teams they lost to like Melbourne and Brisbane they're both very very strong competitive sides so I mean, when you've got two competitive sides coming up against each other, one of them has to lose. That's just football. I mean, of course, draws are a thing, but we're not going to talk about draws because they are just frustrating and feel like a waste of time at times. Um, (laughs) At least it's not the super netball when they go into extra time and it's just like an extra five minutes of like your heart like going out of your chest. Yeah, that's why I'm glad. Oh, actually, no, tiebreakers in cricket. Let's not talk about that given the World Cup. That happened in 2019. You Um, you should know a lot about um, extra time, Beck, um, in the AFL. I believe your team was the last ones to do it against Port Adelaide. True. Good old Luke Shuey. (laughs) And Eric McKenzie as well. That save, I still think it's like the moment that won it for us, not Luke Shuey's goal. Anyway, uh, let's not reminisce or as much as I would like to. Um, let's talk about three other teams that could be the real deal this season. So they've started off with two wins and those teams are Collingwood, Hawthorne and Carlton. Now, now I know we have to take pre-season form with a grain of salt, um, but Carlton came into the season with a win against the 2021 Premiers Melbourne. So... I mean, going into a season like that, that would have given them a lot of confidence. And I think that's translated on the field. Um, They looked a little bit shaky in the start against Richmond, but they really built into the game nicely and got over the top. And then, yeah, the the win against the Bulldogs did look really, really good as well. So do we think Carlton are a chance for finals? I mean, it's early days, but... I'm not too sure. Um, I do love the fact that um, gone in the days where they'll have to um, break out a lot of shoulder tape because no one's carrying that team anymore, especially that midfield. Um, with bringing in Adam Chera, I think it's um, yeah balanced it a lot more than what it was um, in the past where they were sort of relying on Patrick Cripps for most weeks and then sometimes it fell on Sam Walsh. But um yeah, I, I think I'll need to, obviously, um, they sort of did almost let that game slip against the Bulldogs, where the Bulldogs kicked, I want to say, eight straight, um, eight straight goals to get right back into it. But the Carlton's sort of settled, but they made a lot of stupid mistakes as well. So um, they're playing Hawthorne this week, and obviously Hawthorne were clinical against Port Adelaide, so I think that would be a nice test for them to see sort of where they're at but yeah I think I'll need a few more games to um decide yeah and I mean speaking of Hawthorne like Hawthorne have beat North Melbourne and Port Adelaide who um are not the strongest sides they do have some improvement um this is saying so far because we do know what Port Adelaide can do um but do we think that Sam Mitchell is having any impact what are oh, we thinking there? You know firsthand um, as a West Coast supporter what he can do to a um, what he can do to a side. And I think 2017, did the Eagles make finals? Uh, yes, but he was a player then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you um, where he coached, but 
Yeah, he really galvanised the midfield group, which I thought was spectacular. Given um, Luke Shuey did miss games with injury and obviously there was the Andrew Gaff where he missed several games towards the end of the season. Um, but, yeah, like he's shown that he can really take a midfield and turn it into something special. Yeah, I think Will Schofield said that if he wasn't there, you wouldn't have had that 2018 flag. Um, and I'm sure the way that they snapped up, Hawthorne snapped up Sam Mitchell when it looked like um, Collingwood and Carlton were trying, were trying to pounce on him just proves how much they do believe in him. And I think we're really starting to see um, why that is. The other thing with um, Sam Mitchell as well is he was in that three-peat team and he knows what makes a winning team tick, um, both from a coaching perspective and a premiership playing perspective. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he he knows. Like, he knows what it takes and having a leader with experience like that um, is incredible considering they do have a pretty young group. Like they've still got the older players going around, but at its core, they've got a lot of young players that, um, yeah, can take Hawthorne a long way. Um, And I guess something in common with all three of these teams we're going to talk about is that they all have new coaches. Yeah. So um, obviously we've talked about Sam Mitchell extensively and Carlton obviously has Michael Voss, um, but Collingwood under Craig McRae now. Um, what are we thinking there? Wins against St Kilda and Adelaide. Do we think they're the real deal? I think they're a lot more exciting to watch than they were last season. I think their ball movement, especially um, through the centre of the ground and on defensive transition is a lot better um, than it was in the past. But um, I guess, yes, yeah, St Kilda and Adelaide um, aren't, from what we've seen, setting the world on fire. So the game against Geelong on Saturday night is um, going to be a real test to sort of see where they're at. But, um, yeah, Craig McRae, like Sam Mitchell, knows what success is, was that three-peat team in Brisbane and um, he played the key role in the Richmond premierships and he's brought in the likes of um, Justin Lepich um, who was with him at Richmond and Brendan Bolton, who spent time at Hawthorne. So he knows what success is like Sam Mitchell. So if it doesn't doesn't come this year, it's not going to be long. Um, and, yeah, they've brought in players um, like Nathan Kruger, who unfortunately is injured this weekend. Um, sorry, is injured and out for a few weeks, but um, on the weekend kicked two. And then Pat Lipinski from the Bulldogs is showing um, why he was so sought after. And then there's like some Nick Dacos and then the recruits from last year, like um, Ollie Henry from the draft as well, who's starting to step up now. So, um, yeah, they seem, it honestly seems like a different side to what it was last year. And, um, yeah, I think they're up and about and um, we know what momentum can bring in footy. So I wouldn't be surprised if they take it right up to Geelong. Yeah, and I think that's a sweet segue into our round three talking points. So the first one we have here is the Joel Selwood and Scott Pendlebury battle. Now, there's something you've got to love how both these guys go about their game. If I could have anyone's footy IQ in the competition, it would be Scott Pendlebury's. Um, And if I could have anyone's just like tough, not hard going nature, it would be Joel Selwood. So well, this matchup, it's going to be very intriguing. Ellie, what are we thinking there? 
Well, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, and it quite possibly could be the keys to the match. Um, obviously, both, I believe, are playing different roles now. I know Scott Pendlebury um, is playing across halfback um, and then stepping into the midfield. But um, they're real two keys to this. They're really the keys to their sides, um, if not the... Obviously, they're both skillful players, but they're the captains of their respective teams as well. So they do bring a lot to those sides. And yeah, I think um, both of them will need to play, have um, a big impact if they want their sides to win. Yeah, I think there's plenty of other really cool matchups around the ground as well. I mean, um, one I'm really intrigued to see is Darcy Moore against the forward line of Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins. Um, they're very good players and the top players in their position. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be plenty of really, really invigorating battles all around the ground. But I think Joel Selwood and Scott Prendlebury would definitely be the highlight. Um, so, but anyways, let's talk to the let's talk about the start the start of the round now it kicks off on a Thursday night um with Bulldogs and Sydney at Marvel um but then we have two games on a Friday night which is unusual for the AFL so we've got Melbourne and Essendon starting at 4 20 this is in WA time um convert that to Victorian time if you want um and then it's at 5.20 Adelaide Oval uh, is the showdown between the Crows and Port Adelaide. So do we like the Friday night doubleheader? Do we think the games are too close together? Like, what are we thinking? Yeah, so they're an hour um, apart. Um, so I'm just thinking out loud here. Um, yeah, they're an hour apart. Um, but I'm not a fan of the... Um, like real late games so over here in Victoria the showdown starts at 20 past eight which is a bit too late for me um but I mean especially Friday night after work and stuff it's hard to concentrate on one game of football let alone two and I know the um South Australian supporters um were really lobbying for a um Friday night showdown but um yeah if the AFL backed it in. I don't understand why they didn't give it clear airtime um, and putting it up against uh, two Victorian teams, which will also take um, a lot of the viewership up. So it's going to be interesting. Um, but, yeah, I'm personally not a fan of it. I think I don't mind the um, Saturday night doubleheaders. Um, but, yeah, Friday night, not for me. Um, just talking from, like, a WA perspective, um, a 4 p.m. start for it or like a 4.20 start is pretty early. Like you've still got people commuting home from work, but if they were to have it any later, it would be very, very late for those over in Victoria. So I completely understand why. Um, but also it's not like it's not done in any other sport because we see it happening in the NRL. This Friday, we've got the Sharks and Knights playing at 3 p.m. WA time and then followed by the grand final rematch of the Panthers and Rabbitohs at five o'clock. So what I think the NRL has done well that I think the AFL should consider next time is really spacing those games out um, so that it's, A, like the games are clear of each other, or if there is overlap, it's only a little bit and you won't miss too much of either game. 
or B, um, yeah, start one game slightly earlier. Um, yeah, so overall, not really fans of it, are we? No, no, I think... Um... Um, there's another rivalry happening uh, this weekend, which has also been the topic of, um, I guess, like time scheduling um, debates, and that is the Western Derby. Now, the Western Derby is usually played on a Sunday afternoon. I, um, so my thoughts as a WA fan, um, I don't like it. Sunday afternoon games, we get way too many of them. Um, it's a derby I mean, I'm not going to say Vic Bias, but if it was a Victorian rivalry, it would probably be prime time. Um, but I'm not going to get into that because once you get me started, I don't stop. Um, but yeah, given the given it's a derby, it's going to be interesting to see how both teams play out on paper because both sides have some significant outs, but they've also got um, some pretty handy ins. So. So I'm not talking about West Coast. Ellie, would you like to talk us through West Coast scenes? Yeah, so obviously they were hit hard by the COVID health and safety protocols, but um, we have a handful coming back, um, obviously coming out of isolation this week in Nick Natnui, Josh Kennedy, Jack Redden and Tom Brass um, all coming back in for the Eagles. So some massive wins there and we finally get to see that... Um, twin tower combo of um josh kennedy and jack darling that um many eagles fans thought that we weren't that um many fans of the game thought we weren't going to see this year yep so that's one side of the coin but on the other side of the coin um Fremantle have two pretty big outs in nat fife and david mundy um they have been pillars of that midfield for quite a long time but in saying that they do have the young depth um, in the middle in Andrew Brayshaw, um, Will Brody, Jordan Clark, Caleb Sarong to really take that midfield battle to Luke Shuey and Jack Redden and, the, you know, even Patrick Nash um, and Tim Kelly, of course. Tim Kelly's still playing. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see that midfield battle play out. But also... Um, there was a bit of a scare with Sean Darcy. Sean Darcy did have to go down with an ankle issue and he's a test. So Sean Darcy is emerging as one of the best ruckmen in the competition. So to see him and Nick Nat go up against each other, who they're quite different ruckmen, like Nick Nat's strength comes in his tap and where he sends the ball because he's usually very reliable and the midfielders get that silver service. But Sean Darcy offers a bit of physicality and grunt and just real like raw brute around the ground. So the Nick Nat Sean Darcy matchup, I love it. It's going to be very fun to watch. And then of course, Matt Tabernard will bolster that forward line. Um, he was the most accurate goal scorer last year when last year they did struggle um, with that accuracy in the forward line. And it seems to have carried over a little bit this season. Um, so he'll be very welcomed back and he'll go up against Jeremy McGovern who played very well on the weekend and Tom Barris who has shown that he can lock down those dangerous forwards. Um, and finally, um, we have got a very, very important match coming up. It is Maddie's match, which is St Kilda and Richmond. Now, um, 
I think at this point, every AFL fan knows what it's about. But in case you're not, never worry. We're going to explain it. Um, it's essentially to raise funds for research into bone marrow failure, which is the disease that Maddie Rewalt, the sister of Nick and the cousin of Jack, um, Rewalt passed away from. So fans are encouraged to go to the game wearing a bit of purple. In addition to that, the clubs also wear and design special um, jumpers that incorporate the purple into it. So, yeah, how, how do we see this playing out? It's definitely going to be a great clash. And um, no matter the result, it's always a um, great atmosphere. Um, the team at... Um, Maddie Rewalt's vision always do a great job um, in conjunction with the Richmond and St Kilda football clubs. And um, I, I, am, I do know that um, St Kilda, for um, Saints fans out there, they are selling um, Maddie Rewalt, so uh, Maddie's Match beanies and Maddie's Match t-shirts, which is on the club website. So um, fans of the guy into the game or just want to get behind the good cause, um, make sure you check that out on their website. Um, maybe we could link that in the description of this episode. I don't know, but it would be, yeah. We'll link it in the show notes. Yes. Make it easily accessible for the fans. Um, But, yeah, it's these matches that are just so special and encourage fans to really take a step back and see football is more than a game. There is that very human element to it. And there are plenty of games like this across the season, but I think this is definitely the most high profile one of them all for sure. Um, given that the Rewalt family is a very big football family. So to see the whole community, whether you support Richmond or St Kilda or any other team, get around a match like this, um, just is really spectacular and yeah, just beautiful. <laughs> yeah, let's get as many fans as we can to um this match on I believe it's Sunday afternoon um and pack the stadium out in purple which um and if you can't make it um yeah make a donation if you're if you're able to to um Maddie's vision because it's um a great cause. 100%. So yeah, that wraps up our uh round 3 discussion. So we're going to move on to our quick fire tips, short, sharp, simple, easy, to the point. Um, I read out the two teams that are playing, we and venue, and then we say who we think will win. So um, kicking us off on Thursday night, we have the Western Bulldogs and Sydney Swans at Marvel Stadium. Um, Ellie? Bulldogs. I'm going Sydney. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. um, Not sorry. Um, and then on Friday night, the first of the two games, we've got Melbourne versus Essendon at the MCG. Should be an interesting match. Who are we thinking, Ellie? Melbourne. Yeah, I'm going to go Melbourne as well. Um, and then we have the showdown at Adelaide Oval. So Adelaide or Port, Ellie? Crom. Yeah, I'm going to go the Crows too. Um, and at Giant Stadium, we have... Ooh, the two newest teams, GWS and Gold Coast. What are we thinking? Giants only because it's at home. Yeah, I'm inclined to go the same way as well. Um, And then we have Collingwood and Geelong at the MCG, Saturday night, bit of a blockbuster. Thoughts there? I'm going to go left field and go Collingwood. 
I'm going to play it safe and say Geelong. <laughs> this reminds me, we haven't set up a footy tipping comp for the edge of the crowd yet. No, we haven't. <laughs> That's something for an off-air discussion. Um, <laughs> and then rounding out the Saturday games, we have Brisbane and North Melbourne at the Gabba. Where are we going with our tip here? Brizzy. I'm going to go the same. So Sunday, we have Carlton and Hawthorne at the G. Which team do we think will get the Chockeys? Hawthorne, yeah. Um, I'm going to go Carlton. Ooh. Um, and then we have Maddie's match at Marvel Stadium. So St Kilda or Richmond? Where are we going here? Ooh. Richmond. Richmond, there we go. We sound more positive. Um, and then finally, who will be best out west? West Coast or Fremantle? Fremantle. I think West Coast. Anyways, that wraps up our quick fire tips. Ellie, any more thoughts, comments, suggestions? Go dogs. <laughs> Love it. Go Eagles. Um, and that wraps up this week's podcast. So thank you all for tuning in. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, yeah, I, I just special shout out to my, vo- my vocal cords, which decided to cooperate for this episode. Um, yeah. So thank you all for tuning in and we hope your team wins on the weekend. Um, yeah. Catch you later and be sure to check out our AFLW episode which is coming out later this week. Um, And also check out Dan's retelling of the Buddy Franklin's 1000th goal. Um, Yeah. Anyways, this has been What The Ruck. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at What The Ruck Pod as part of the Edge of the Crowd network. You can also find us at Edge of the Crowd on Instagram and Twitter too. And of course, our website, edgeofthecrowd.com. Thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you next time.